The Deep End Podcast. Welcome to the Deep End Podcast, brought to you by Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. The Deep End is where we go deeper in the scriptures to empower our walk with God. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we're glad you joined us, and we encourage you to be a part of the conversation in the comments below. If you're listening in on SoundCloud or your podcast app, be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's go live to Pastor Tim Hatch as we get started with today's podcast. This is The Deep End. Hey, Waters Church, everybody watching on Facebook, everybody watching wherever you are, we are so glad that you joined us here today, and I'm looking forward to what we're doing right now. This is exciting. Welcome to the very first part of a brand new Waters Church experience called the deep end. The deep end is where we're going to go deeper into the Word of God. Uh, back in the day, we used to do Bible study every Wednesday night. Well, now we're doing Bible study on your time when you can log on or log in and take part in what's happening. I'm so excited. Are you, are you excited? Let us know in the comments. I would love to hear your interactions. And so I'm going to ask you some questions at points during these times together. I'm going to ask for your feedback. We're going to talk about things. We're going to hear from you. And I'd love to address some of the things that you have questions about when it comes to God's Word, the Bible, what people have said about the Bible, what you have thought about the Bible, and church. So today uh, is exciting. If you got your Bibles, you don't even have to have them, but if you want to turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians is where we're going. If you're joining us on the podcast uh, we're so glad to have you as well. Uh, this will be updated every week, uh, except for first Wednesday weeks, and um, we're going to just dive deep right into First Corinthians. A couple things that I want to say before we get started, and want to take some time to talk about, you know, what's going on at Waters Church. So I got some announcements here. I'd love to talk to you about what's happening. If you go to Waters Church, and if you don't yet go to Waters Church, these are for you, and you would be welcome to come. So this Saturday we have our cookout after service. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know about you, Brandon. I'm absolutely looking forward, forward to that. It's going to be yes. fun. Everybody, uh, say hello to Brandon too. He's over here off screen. And Just he's the ominous be voice in the background. The ominous voice in the background. And he's my amen corner because you know me. I'm an old-fashioned Pentecostal preacher. i got to have an amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Brandon. He's off to a good start. So Saturday, summer, uh, what do we call these things? The summer nights. Yeah, yeah, you can speak up. I can't hear you if you just whisper. So Saturday, <laughs> summer nights, they are after Saturday service. If you come to Sunday service, uh, that's fine, too. You can come after the Saturday night service, about 5.30 if you show up, $5 or uh, school supplies, right? School to supplies. exchange for food, yes. Exactly. So pay for food with $5 or bring school supplies. Those school supplies will be used to bless the, city, uh, this, the schools of Milford and Woonsocket and North Attleboro. Right. Second thing, Waters Church Registry. If you have not yet helped us start paying for these two new campuses, please start, <laughs> please. Okay, so waterschurch.org slash registry. Uh, we want you to sponsor items for our campuses. We want you to sponsor, you know, you can pick something. Now, here's what I said, thought about. Today I was on the website, waterschurch.org slash registry, and I saw if you hover over some of the items, a huge price tag comes up, like $1,700. Don't let that deter you. That's the total cost of that item. If you click on it, it will show you the breakdown of how much we're asking one person to give. So out of the $1,700, what is it like, Michael, like $100 or $70? 25, sometimes it's even $25. So every donation matters, counts, helps, 
head over there, waterschurch.org slash registry. Invest in those who are not yet here. Here, yeah, exactly. And then uh, the fabulous <laughs> executive pastor, Shane Parsons, he wants me to let you know that fall cleanup is happening on August 26th at 8 a.m. So we want to make our, um, our space here, our building, the outside, clean and beautiful for the fall. August 26th, Saturday, 8 a.m. till noonish. And noonish just basically means until it's done. So come on out for those events. We would love to see you be a part of this. Okay, every once in a while, I'm going to ask you a question. And then we're going to cut to promo spots, and the audio from me will drop, and you'll hear like a promo spot for things happening at the church, social media, other ways you can connect with the church. Uh, just hang in there. Uh, this is going to be a, a little bit like a radio podcast, if you will. Radio podcast, a little bit of feedback from people on the mics, um, uh, some promo spots in the middle, take breaks. So just uh, hang with us. We're still trying to figure out the whole, you know, the whole way we're going to do this, the style. And we're looking to make it exciting, entertaining, and most of all, helpful. So let's get into the first book of Corinthians, if you've got your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to just look for, through verse, from verses 1 to 9. And as you get to your Bible, if you're going to get to the Bible, uh, or you can just trust me that I'm going to put it accurately, <laughs> it's up to you. Um, here's what I want to say, bottom line as we start out. The goal of Bible study. The goal of Bible study. Why do we study the Bible? Okay, it can't be just to know the Bible. Okay, because the Bible is a book. It's just, you know, words on a page. Now, it's the living word of God. I believe that. But if you're just into it for memorization and understanding and like informational like kind of download, you're doing it wrong. Right? The goal of Bible study has to be to produce two things in your life. Love for God and love for others. Love for God, love for others. So I want to say this to all the Bible people out there, because I know you're out there. You, you love the Bible. You absorb the Bible. You read the Bible. You chapter and verse of the Bible. You quote the Bible. Everything about the Bible, blah, 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 blah. Okay, listen. If your time in the Bible is not helping you or causing you to love God and other people more, you're doing it wrong. So Stop. <laughs> stop, go outside, knock on your neighbor's door and say, how can I help you today? You know, or who are you? Or, you know, whatever. And I mean, love it. others, right? I mean, <clears throat> apply that love. Yes. Yeah. Apply the love that God has for you that you hear about through the scriptures into your life, into, into other people's lives and ultimately to God first and foremost. Remember, there's two great commandments. Jesus was asked this question. What's the most important thing in the Bible, in the scriptures? And he said two things, love God, love people. That's it. That's the whole Old Testament in a nutshell. Love God, love people. So our hope for you and my prayer for you is that as we read and study 1 Corinthians and we do this little message series called The Struggle is Real, that it helps you love God. It helps you love people. Ultimately, that's why we are here. Okay. That being said, let's get started. Shall we get started? Absolutely, yes. Right. Message number one. Here's the message title. I thank God for my screwed up church. <laughs> I thank God for my screwed up church. Um, Paul is going to talk to uh, probably the most screwed up church in the New Testament. These are the Christians who are in Corinth. So let's get into it. Verse 1, here's what he says. 
Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. All right, let's break this verse down. Who is Paul? And first off, why does the book of the Bible open up with like Paul, comma, called, and then the next verse, if you're going to look, at, look, look a little ahead, it says to the church that is in Corinth. What is this? Okay, 1 Corinthians is a letter. It's an ancient letter from Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle, we know this guy, we should know this guy, this guy who hated Christianity, hated the church, persecuted, wanted to kill Christians, wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth. Jesus shows up, rode to Damascus, knocks him down, blinds his eyes, says, Paul, stop persecuting me. You're hurting me when you hurt my church. And Paul's like, who is this? And he's like, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. You're persecuting me, and now I'm going to call you to do great things. And Paul the Apostle, Paul the Apostle, who basically started most of the churches in the New Testament uh, that are recorded in the New Testament Bible, um, this guy was a former hater of the church, which is kind of comforting for me as a Christian because <laughs> it tells me that even when people hate us, it doesn't mean that, like, okay, they're our enemy. God can save our enemies. God can change their hearts. So that's why we never respond with hatred back. We never do. Why? Because God could change their hearts. And I guarantee you, God will never be able to change their hearts if you hate them back and show them that Christians are just filled with hate. So anyway, Paul is writing a letter, and this is important for you to understand about the Bible. I mean, this is a Bible study, so let's talk about the Bible for a second. The Bible is not a book. The Bible is a collection of books. Uh, the word Bible, same Latin root for biblio or bibliography. Uh, that we get bibliography from. Uh, bibliography is a collection of sources that you put at the end of your paper that proves a point. So you write a point, you come up with a thesis, you prove it, and then you say, okay, I studied all these sources to prove my point, and that thing at the end of the paper is called a bibliography. And so the same word bibliography is a root word that we get Bible from. The Bible is almost like God's essay to us. It's God's essay. Here's the sources. It's a collection of sources, 66 books, 37 old, uh, 39 in the old, 27 in the new, of, of ancient sources where God is proving one point, basically. And the point of the Bible is that God saves us. That's the point of the Bible. Now, 1 Corinthians is a kind of ancient literature. The Bible has history. The Bible has poetry. The Bible has song. The Bible has, you know, all kinds of documents. One of the Bible documents types is epistles. That's just a, fa that's just a fancy word for letter. And so 1 Corinthians is a letter. It's a letter from Paul, this former hater of the church, to the church in Corinth. And he's writing to them with a guy by the name of Sosthenes. It's right there in verse 1. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle by, of Jesus Christ. And our brother Sosthenes. Who's Sosthenes? Sosthenes was a, a resident of the town or the city of Corinth when Paul comes and brings the gospel to these people. So Paul goes into Corinth. He starts this church. He starts preaching about Jesus. A church is born. And the synagogue ruler is named Sosthenes. This is a synagogue ruler. This is a... Uh, a pretty important Jewish guy, and he gets saved. And not only does he get saved, but I love this, he becomes like a partner with Paul in the mission of Jesus, which is another cool story because now we have two guys writing Bible literature who were formerly not with Jesus. This is such a great point, like just to start off, because this is so important for you and anybody listening to get in their heart. God uses people who formerly were not godly. 
uh, Paul the Apostle, Sosthenes, they were godly in their own way, Jewish way, and weren't interested in Christ. Christ saved them, and now they're working for Christ. Here's the point for you. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter how anti-God you once were, how dirty you once were, how unsaved you once were. It does not matter. God takes you, he saves you, he cleanses you, he changes you, and guess what else? Then he sends you. He sends you back into the world. And I think that 1 Corinthians opening with two guys who were formerly non-Christians now writing to Christians trying to help this crazy messed up church in Corinth is a testimony to the power of God that takes ordinary average sinners and turns them into extraordinary powerful saints. Can I get an amen? Amen to all of you above. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you. Just yeah. keep going, Pastor Tim. Brandon knows because Brandon was once one of those pagans. and now life. he's yes. Now he's a follower of Jesus, and I just think, I just think that's cool. I mean, I like, I love people like you, Brandon. I love people who are far from God, and they, you know, you didn't have the Christian upbringing. Not at all. No. You know, you were on the stage this past weekend. If you didn't see that, you missed an amazing moment. He shared a story, state, and you just talked about that. Like you didn't have the Christian upbringing. I was, I was baptized like in my mother's womb. For <laughs> I mean, you, the exact opposite. <laughs> and yet here we are sitting at a table together, right? Talking to people about Jesus. That's, yeah, that's incredible. I think that's awesome. So, verse 1 right there, powerful truths coming at us from this passage. And then he says, verse 2, check it out, says, he says, uh, can we put verse 2 up on the screen? To the church of God that is in Corinth, okay, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. All right, so let's talk about, we've talked about who's Paul, who's Sosthenes. Let's talk about Where's Corinth? What is Corinth? Corinth was an ancient Greek city. It was demolished by the Romans in about 144 BC. It was rehabilitated right around uh, 44 BC by the Romans, and they kind of like built it up and they made it a, 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 a very prominent Roman city. By the time Paul gets there and brings the gospel in Acts chapter 18 to the people of Corinth, uh, Corinth is the third largest. Uh, Roman city in the world. So this is a major metropolitan area. Uh, it's located on an isthmus. It's like this very thin plot of land. Uh, still there today, by the way. It's just not, not inhabited. Uh, and it's on the Greek peninsula. And it's got two major ports. I think we have a picture of it. Yep, there we go. Way down there. You see the red line all the way down. That's Paul's missionary journey, second missionary journey. We're going to highlight Corinth there in the bottom right. You see it there. That's where it was. Now, now, what was incredible about Corinth is that it was on a very thin isle of land, an isthmus, and on one side was a major seaport with business and trade, and on the other side was another major seaport with business and trade, and these two ports connected through Corinth to these major waterway traffic lanes so that people, I mean, this was, this was a booming business town. A couple of facts. Uh, Corinth was uh, highly upwardly mobile. So if you were a young professional, you moved to Corinth, the possibility, by, by the t around the time of Paul, the possibilities for you advancing in your career were extraordinary in Corinth. Uh, secondly, um, it was filled with people. It was highly populated, third largest city in, in ancient Rome at this time, the Roman Empire. Uh, and thirdly, it had just an influx of travelers all the time. So people went to Corinth and left Corinth constantly. Now, now, here's why I bring all this up. Paul, 
deliberately brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to this ancient city of Corinth. And what he was all about was bringing Jesus where people were, bringing Jesus where people were going. And I think that there's a lesson right there for us as 21st century Christians. We need to be in the business of bringing Jesus where people are. Okay, um, I'm all for rural churches. I'm all for suburban churches. We're a suburban church here in North Attleboro. But you know what? We need to get the gospel in cities. People are moving to cities. We need to bring the gospel there. But here's another thing. People are moving in, in uh, what do you call it, in cyberspace. That's where they're moving. They're moving right now to where you are. People are going to Facebook. Facebook has doubled its membership in the last five years from one billion to two billion people. I mean, think about this. It's two billion people are on Facebook right now. And Facebook is like the largest city that has ever existed in human history. And we all go to it. So this is why we're here. Hello, Facebook. This is why we're here. We're here to bring Jesus where you are. And you probably got a notification on your phone to log on or you're going to see this podcast later or whatever. And so this is why we're doing it. We're doing what Paul did. We're going where people are. Now, let me say something else about Corinth. Corinth was... Um, a very heathen city. It, it had the temple of Aphrodite. It was the goddess of love. And so, you know, people would go to this goddess temple and they would have sex with uh, shrine prostitutes and then they would leave. And, and uh, you know, it was hedonistic. It was so hedonistic uh, in the first century that people actually had a saying. And they would say, if you were a really bad person, they'd say, you are so Corinthian. You are so Corinthian. It's kind of like the phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's We had that saying for Vegas because Vegas is like Sin City. Well, Corinth was the original Sin City. Like Corinth was the first one. And yet Paul takes the gospel there. And, and here's another important point for Christians. Are we bringing the gospel to where the sinners are? Because the gospel is not about our little private membership club behind closed doors where everybody's safe and secure and nice in Jesus. The gospel is dangerous. The gospel is about advancing. The gospel is about presenting Jesus where he is not known and where he might not yet be welcome. So we got to go where people are, where the sinners are, where people who are far from God are. Be daring. Be daring. Absolutely. We were all once far from God. So here's the point that I want to make too. Like you got this city. It's an important city. It's filled with people and it's filled with sin. It's an important city filled with people, filled with sin. Paul goes there. And Paul goes there, and he gets beat up. Like, this is funny. In Acts chapter 18, you find this out. He gets shoved out of the synagogue. People hate him. He's, they're chasing him out of town. He goes to bed, and in Acts chapter 18, he has a dream. God speaks to him in this dream. Because uh, he left the synagogue, and he goes, and he starts bringing the gospel to Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And he's kind of uncomfortable with this because he's kind of a Jewish person himself. But he's struggling with this, like, Lord, are you, really in on, are you really in this, bringing the gospel here to this crazy, hedonistic city? And God says to him in a dream, we have it, I think, on the screen. Acts chapter 18, verse 9. In a dream, Paul, the Lord said to Paul one night, uh, or in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you. For I have, check out what God says here, I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word God, teaching the word of God among them. What a powerful phrase for God to say. Like, I know you're in Sin City. I know you're in this overwhelming metropolis. I know you feel like you are a nobody in the middle of this huge, like, not interested in God context. And God says to Paul, don't be afraid. 
keep speaking about me because I have many people in this city. Can I say something about New England? And this is so important. God has many people in New England. God has many people in Boston, Massachusetts. God has many people in Providence, Rhode Island. And I know that these are not, like, you know, these are not the bastions of biblical thought. I understand that. We are not the Bible Belt. I kind of like not being the Bible Belt. I don't know. How about you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of like not being the Bible. That's Michael. He's our production manager over here. But, you know, yeah, there you go. Uh, I like not being in the Bible Belt because this is where sinners are. This is where people who need the Bible are. And I know the Bible Belt has its own frustrations, too. And if you're from the Bible Belt, I'm not disrespecting you at all. We need people there, too, preaching Jesus. But, man, let's not, demo- let's not demean our context. Like, let's be proud to present Jesus to New Englanders. Absolutely. Like, like, there's a lot of New Englanders that God is going to call to himself. God is going to save. God is going to change. And it's not too late. As long as we've got air in our breath, we're bringing the gospel to New England. Amen. 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 (laughs) All right. So Paul brings the gospel to this crazy, uh, hedonistic, sin-saturated city. And a church is planted. Well, he leaves. You saw there in Acts chapter 18, he leaves after about 18 months. But then he hears word that the church that he left behind is fledgling, and they are seriously messed up. They are, they are, they are um, full of sin themselves. They have serious problems, and basically they're just they're messed up. So that's why this title of this, this talk is, I thank God for my messed up church, because Paul says here in chapter 1, verse 4, after his greeting to the Corinthian believers, he says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful, Paul says. I'm thankful for you messed up Corinthians. So my question to you, and we're going to go to break, is this. And during the break, as you hear the music, please fill in the comments. Let me know what you think. Have you ever been part of a messed up church? Have you ever been part of a church that's just sort of like wacky, crazy, like you can't believe that Christians acted like that? If you have, let us know. Don't name names. <laughs> don't name names, no, but just to. fill in the blank or fill in the comment section, whatever you think, whatever comes to mind. Helps me give you some feedback as well. All right, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. The Deep End is presented by Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. If you're looking for a church, we invite you to come check out one of our services on Saturdays at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. And now, back to the Deep End. All right. Um, I didn't see any comments. What comments do we get? Do we got comments? Anybody can tell me the comments. No comments? No comments? What's, what, what the? We got comments, just nothing about any crazy church. Oh. Uh, we'll keep an eye on All right, that. so for all of you people who have never belonged to a crazy church, <laughs> 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 let me tell you that I was part of a messed up church. Uh, my story is that I was raised in probably the most dysfunctional church in western Massachusetts, and... Um, you know, even out of that, God raised me up to be a preacher. But uh, we had some bad characters come through that church. Uh, we had some sexually immoral pastors, like more than one, like more than three. And that's not an exaggeration. I wish it was. And not sexual morality that you're like, oh, well, I can understand, you know, this adultery happens. No, 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 no. Worse than that. And I don't even want to say it because, you know, I just don't want to disparage the past. I don't want to talk about it. It was bad. It was worse than what you think. Imagine the worst kind of sexual morality you could think of and times it by two. And <laughs> that was my church upbringing. Um, and yet out of that, God 
did a lot of good things. There's a lot of people that came out of the church who still love Jesus, and I love Jesus, and still doing ministry in the name of Jesus. But the point that I want to make is we can give thanks to God for a messed up church because messed up churches are all that there are. I mean, seriously, that's all that there are. Uh, every church sins. It's just a matter of what kind of sin are they committing. Let me tell you about the Corinthian church because we're going to find out through this letter as we walk through this letter, all 16 chapters of it, how messed up they were. Number one, they were extremely divided. They had a huge sectarian philosophy. They didn't talk to each other. They prided themselves over one another. They had cliques. If you've ever been part of a church with cliques, you know what I'm talking about. You don't feel like you're in. You feel like there's certain people that are really on the inside and then there's outsiders and you're an outsider and there's no way you're going to be on the inside and all that kind of stuff. That's Corinth. Secondly, they were highly sexually immoral. Uh, they were committing sins. Paul says that even the pagans who don't believe in Jesus would blush at. Like pagans think that you're bad. It's pretty bad when Christians do something that even pagans are like, I can't believe you're doing that. So that was the Corinthians. We're going to find that out later on in the series. They were getting drunk at the Lord's table. You heard that right. They were getting drunk at the Lord's table. Back in the old days and still in some churches today, you take wine, not grape juice, and the bread, and uh, the, they would have love feasts back in those days. Like, we take a little cup, and you say, how can you get drunk on a cup? Well, it was, back in the old days, it was big, huge gallons of wine and, and bread, and they would eat, and they would drink, and they would feast, and would call, they called it the Lord's Supper. Like, we have whittled it down just to that little, little cup and a little piece of bread. But back in the old days, they would have a big, huge feast, call it the Lord's Supper, and so what would happen is some people would just like chugging the wine and getting drunk in at communion. In the name of, wow. Like, could you imagine that, Brandon? No, I can't. <laughs> you come into a church purpose, and there's no. people swinging from the chandeliers because <laughs> they're high on uh, alcohol or whatever you want to say. And, and, and that was what was going on. And uh, this church was seriously messed up. The church meetings were chaotic. They were spiritually like gifted with tongues and spiritual gifts and healings and all that kind of stuff and but yet their meetings were out of control lastly well there's a lot of other things they were denying the resurrection they were questioning paul's apostleship this was a messed up church messed up and paul says i thank god for you and and i want to show you how you can be thankful for a messed up church okay it's right here in the passage it's right here in the passage we got a question how do you forgive a church who has hurt you and stay or do you forgive and find a new church? It's a great question. I want you to, I want you to think about it. Can you answer this question on your own after I tell you what Paul has said here? Because I think you can. So stay with me because that's a great question. We've all been hurt by the church, but I'm, 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 I tend toward stay with the church. But let's just explore a little bit more what Paul says here. So here's... Here's what he says. Give thanks, verse 4, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Verse 5, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, can I... Can I share with you some thoughts just from that passage of what, why we can be thankful for messed up churches, even churches that hurt us? Okay, number one, every church has problems, but every church also has good things. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, when you deal with any human being, you are going to get good and bad. 
imperfect. Yeah. Think about yourself. I am absolutely sure that if I met you, I'd be like, wow, really good this, that, the other thing. But if I got to know you a little bit more, eventually we would both find our flaws in each other and we would start not liking certain things about each other. That's how it is with every person I've ever met. Um, and here's what Paul is saying. He says in verse 5, in every way you were enriched in speech and knowledge. And back up a little bit because look what he says in verse, if you got your Bibles, in verse 2, back, way back up, he says that these people in verse 2 were called to be saints together with all those who, are, who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he's basically saying is God has saved you, but he's also called you to become saints, to be sanctified. And this is an important thing for us to understand, Christians. Two things God's going to do in your life. The first thing is that he's going to save you from your past. The second thing is that he's going to transform you in your present. And the third thing he's going to do is he's going to bring you to heaven and glorify you. Amen. <laughs> but, but what you need to understand, though, is that you've got to root yourself in what I like to call the spectrum of, or find yourself in the spectrum of justification, sanctification. Here's the cross in the middle. All right, let's just, let's just walk this through for a minute. The cross is in the middle. On the left, I put legalism. Legalism is people who are always trying to do things to make sure they're still saved. Like in my mom's day, don't drink, smoke, chew. Don't play cards. Don't gamble. Don't go here. Don't go to the R-rated movies. Don't wear dresses. Don't wear skirts. You got to wear this, that, the other. I'm sorry. If you're a lady, don't wear pants. Don't wear, you know, all, all kinds of things. And that's legalism. It's because you have missed out, you have forgotten that you are justified in faith. Jesus justifies us. He makes us right with God, period, in our past, washed away. But then past the cross, we want to get sanctified. But there's something wrong if we don't embrace sanctification. Okay, Sanctification is the process by which God transforms us into new people over time. He justifies us in our past. He sanctifies us in our present. If we don't get sanctified, we'll turn into relativists. Like, so legalism on this side, relativists on this side. And if you trend toward you know, just, oh, I'm saved in the past. God forgave me, so now I can do whatever I want. You're going to become a relativist. You're going to do whatever you want. Now, the problem with too much legalism is that it leads to despair. I've got this little arrow right here. It leads to despair because you never feel like I'm good enough. I never feel like I'm there. I never truly feel saved. And if you're someone who says, I don't know if I'm really saved, you've got to root yourself in the fact that Jesus died for you once and for all. Your sins are forgiven. Period. End of story. And nothing you do takes away from that. Nothing you do adds to that. That work is accomplished permanently in your past. But sanctification is the process by which you move on from being just saved and being transformed. But if you don't get sanctified, you turn into a relativist, which is the problem of relativism is you just end up degraded. Because sin always just rocks your world. Sin makes you miserable. So justification in the past. And I have this little thing right here. I love this. Justification in my past. Can we put this on the screen here? Get this nice and... Sanctification in my present. God is changing me. Glorification in my future. There we go. Bam. Love that. That's like gold right there. Jesus has saved me. Now he's transforming me. And one day he will glorify me. So, I say all that to say this. Every church is filled with people whose past is forgiven, but whose present is still getting changed. You got to realize that. 
I would say don't give up on a messed up church. Here's why. You give up on a messed up church, you don't just lose the things that hurt you or bothered you, you lose the things that you liked about the church too. And if you're letting the things that hurt you, um, you know, kind of like baby with the bathwater thing, if you're letting the church that hurt you cause you to walk away totally from the church, if you really ask yourself, there may have been some good things about that church. Yeah. Like, did you have some friends there? Because I'm sure not everybody hurt you. Did you like the preaching there? Did you like the worship there? Did, did you feel the presence of God there? Don't let one hurt, you know, ship you off. Giving too much weight to a negative rather exactly. than all the positives. Right. And I think that's with every relationship. Like whenever you cut somebody off out of your life because you're hurt, because you're hurt, because you're mad. Oh, they did that. I can't believe they did that. And you cut them off. Like you realize that there's also good that you're cutting off too. I mean, unless this person is like the second cousin to Lucifer himself, <laughs> you, you know, you need to have grace with people. And our, I'll guarantee you, and I say this all the time, if you come to Waters Church, I guarantee you, we will hurt you. <laughs> we will disappoint you because we were saved from our past, but we're being sanctified in our future. I mean, in our present, in our present. And God is, and God is doing that here in Corinth because Paul is going to spend the whole the bulk of this letter he's going to spend the bulk of this letter helping them through the process of sanctification here's what we got to do about that sexual immorality in your life here's what we got to do about getting drunk at the Lord's table here's what we got to do about those divisions and and the transformation happens through the word of God and the spirit of God changing you but the second thing that I want to say about those messed up churches is this you will only find in a local church a place where you can be strengthened in your faith, where you can gain eternal perspective, and you can have an opportunity to grow in and exercise your spiritual gifts. Let me say those three things again. Strengthened in your faith, you will be uh, given eternal perspective, and you will have opportunity to grow and develop your gifts from God. Strengthen your faith. I get strengthened when I come to Water Church. I get strengthened when I come to church, and I'm the preacher. I mean, I need other people around me who love Jesus. I only get that at the local church. Like a lot of people just check out on the local church and they listen to Hillsong in their car and podcasts on their phone. And it's like, fine, let that be a supplemental vitamin, but don't let it replace that gathering of God's people. I need people to look at me and say, hey, how you doing today? Yeah, and I need to do that for other people. I need to be in relationship with people who love Jesus because it is lonely out there, friend. You probably watching this at your job saying, yeah, it's lonely here. Nobody else loves Jesus. That's why you need a local church. So don't give up on it because you give up on that, t- that chance to be strengthened. Eternal perspective. You need a place where you're reminded that this life is not all that there is, that there's coming a day where Jesus is going to come back. You need somebody to say that to you. You need some preacher to yell at you from the pulpit like I do every week. Come on over to Water Church. I'll yell at you. And, and tell you, like, this is not the end. Jesus is coming back. Let's not get so tied up in here that we forget about up there. And we're going there, and God is going to change the world, and we are on the way, and it's going to be amazing. Eternal perspective. Makes the big problems in our life not so big. And then lastly, an opportunity to grow in your gifts. Where else can you exercise your gifts? Like we, what I love about the church is we have people who have grown in their musical gifts. They've grown in their leadership gifts. They've grown in their technical gifts. They've grown in their spiritual gifts. And, and Paul's going to talk about spiritual gifts here in 1 Corinthians, big time in chapter 12 and 14. He can tell them, this is your opportunity to grow and help others. And I'll tell you something. There's nothing like being used of God to change someone's life. It's like, man, you want to get high on something? Put down the reefer put away the crack cocaine and get 
yourself into a church where you can learn the amazing high that you get from helping people grow in Christ. There's nothing better than that. Thirdly, lastly, here's the thing. A local church, and this is why you don't want to give up in your church. A local church, and you can be thankful for your church, messed up church because of this. A local church is where you experience the presence of Jesus. And I mean the real presence of Jesus. Getting some amens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can feel God in your private prayer time, in your car, on your way to work, if you're listening to Hillsong music and all that stuff. I get that. But there's nothing like being in the presence of other people who love Jesus. It's just, there's something there. Look what Paul says. We're going to put this back up on the screen. Verse 9, Michael. God is faithful. It's the last slide. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love those. Look at the words again. Called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this is so important. You're not just going to church. You're enter when you enter into a body of believers and you worship with them and you hear the word of God with them and you're in the presence of them, you are entering into the fellowship of Jesus himself. And that is worth the time. And that is worth pressing through the little hurts, maybe even the big hurts. Uh, and, and I thought about this, and this is a good last bit of announcement here for this weekend at Water Church. You want to come on out this weekend. We are celebrating communion this weekend because I think about where else can you celebrate and remember with visible details that Jesus is among us. We don't just gather with humans. We gather with the real presence of Jesus. It's in communion, the bread, the wine. We take these emblems into ourselves to remind ourselves we're part of his presence. We're in his presence. And so this weekend, and this is exciting because it's the very first weekend in our new building that we're doing communion. We haven't done communion yet on a, on a weekend. Wow. Yeah, oh, wow. we've done it on the first Wednesdays, but we haven't done it. On, so that's this weekend. Come and take communion with us. And in that moment, remember... When you take the emblems, I am in the presence of Jesus. And where he is, healing happens. You find hope. You get perspective. Your heart is invigorated with the power of God. So those are the three reasons. I mean, you know, should you, should you forgive and stay? Should you forgive and leave is a great question. If you've been hurt by a church, I don't know if I have the answer for you specifically because I don't know your details, but just examine what we've talked about here. In the very first nine verses of 1 Corinthians, I think about how Paul is saying, 1 Corinthian people, I mean Corinthian people, you are so messed up, it's not funny, but I'm still thankful. I'm still thankful that you're there because God is sanctifying you and one day will glorify you. And that is true for you too. Hey. Thanks so much for joining us for week one of The Struggle is Real. Hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week. God bless you. Peace out. <laughs> one of the great tragedies of life today is that people are lonelier than ever before. And one of the biggest blessings that you can have in life is a community of people around you and a place where you can belong. And that's why Waters Church does what it does. We exist to bring people to God and to each other. Because you never know when you may need someone to talk to or rely on. And we want you to know that you don't have to do life alone. Waters Church is made up of people from all walks of life. And you are welcome here. Thanks for joining us for this week's Deep End Podcast. We pray that you continue to grow in your faith and that you would serve and support your local church. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us this weekend at Waters Church. We are located at 57 John Deach Square in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And you can join us every Saturday at 4 p.m. 
and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. Make sure to stay tuned in for next week's episode of The Deep End Podcast.